Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Well, now, let's see. Um, I do apologize for missing last week. For those of you who don't get my notes and don't know, maybe uh, I sprained my arm. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel I, I, I had not typed my notes up yet. And after I sprained my arm, I did not feel like typing all those notes. So, so I just canceled the class for that reason. So I'm better and much better now. And uh, as you saw, I typed twice as many notes as I usually do. So I'm pretty much uh, pretty much back to normal anyway. But uh, here we are today. And this is and by the way, the recordings are coming up. Um, most of them are up i think we're missing maybe a few sessions but most of them are up so keep checking if you want the recordings they are coming up uh i think i've got through maybe this is session 28 i think i have at least through session 21 it's hard to say and i'm going to try to remember to say the exact session we're on each lesson so that when you do get a recording you'll be able to tell what notes they go with if you want to do that Anyway, this is session 28, and I have a feeling that this lesson will take two weeks because we got a lot of stuff in here. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to go over your declensions that we talked about last week. Um, I want to go over them and sing our songs again for first and second declension. I want to look at our exercise we did, our exercises. Then I want to talk about third declension, masculine and feminine nouns. Then I want to um, and sing our song for them, of course. Then we could go in two different directions. We could do our mythology or we could do something with numbers. And if we do numbers, that means we're going to do now. We did do numbers back in lesson two, way back then, but we only went to 10 from one to 10. We only went from one to 10 back then. So this time we're going to do more than that. We're going to do all the numbers from one through a thousand. And doing numbers brought up something that is interesting, and that is a poem about counting kisses. And we're going to look at that, and we're going to talk about the guy that wrote the poem about counting kisses and the girl for whom he wrote it. And that'll get us into a whole other thing. So we'll see how we do with this. And I think uh, probably we won't count kisses this week. We'll probably count them next week, but we'll see how that goes. All right, well, let's talk about declension. First, declension. Remember that in the singular, and I sent this to you again in the notes, it's A on the left-hand column, left-hand side of your page, A, A, E, A, E, A, M, long A. Ah, I, I, um, ah, that's your nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative. A girl, of a girl, to or for a girl. I love the girl by means of the girl. And then on the right-hand side, uh, if you were doing it in columns, the plural, A-E-A-R-U-M-I-S-A-S-I-S. -S -S. Now, to make it easier, Carla had a very good idea the other week. She said, why don't I put these across the line for you so that when we sing our songs, you can just follow across the line. And so at the very end of the notes, I wrote these that way. So if you look at the very end of your notes, I tell you the first declension song, second declension song, and so forth. And so if we wanted to sing, ah, I, I, am, ah, I, arm, is, as, is, we would go like this. 
I I am I order me sassies. 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 I know my Latin declensions now. I can do it all the way. Anyway, you got the idea. Um, and so that's the first declension. That's your endings for that. Then the second declension, us e o um o. That is U S I O U M O. Same cases: nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative. Same cases: us e o um o e orum us e o um o e orum isosis, etc. And then we do the same song: us e o um o e orum isosis, us e o um o e orum isosis, etc. And the same thing with the neuter nouns. Neuter nouns, remember, um, e, o, um, o, e, ah, orum, is, ah, is. Um, e, o, um, o, ah, orum, is, ah, is. So, um, e, o, um, o, ah, orum, is, ah, is. Um, e, o, um, o, ah, orum, is, ah, is, etc. And so you can, you can work on those. And by the way, now you might say, why in the world do we have to learn these stupid tables? They're boring. Why do we have to do them? Well, the answer is that if we were learning Latin from babyhood, like if you guys were little babies and we were talking Latin going, then you wouldn't need it because you'd be used to talking and you wouldn't have to have these, these tables. But because we're not learning it by as babies, we need some way to keep all these endings straight. And that is the way that somebody, not me, somebody came up with for us to learn these endings. And every article I've ever read about Latin says, you've got, you've got to know these endings. They just say, you've got to, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. You just got to, if you do any kind of reading or anything. So let's look at these exercises we have here today and we'll do a few of them. And, uh, Whatever we don't do, I will send you the answers to so that you can see it. But can anyone tell me, how would I write the declension of the word amicus? That was the first one we did. How would I decline the word amicus, meaning friend? How would I do that? How would I do that? And by the way, if you were in England and you were six years old and you couldn't do it, I'd cane you. But anyway, I won't do that to you this time. How will we do this? Who can Gary, tell? I can't. I can't find the exercises. Where are they? It's right after the. It says neuter nouns, and it gives you like castra and templum and bellum. Right after that, it says letter A. It says practice letter A. It's not indented probably on your Braille and speak because the indents never work in the Braille displays. But it's um, it says practice and then it says decline. So the first word you have to decline is amicus. So we do it the same way we did. Amicus, amici, amico. That. That's it. That's um, it. Amico. That's it. Amico. Yep. Keep going. Corum and then amicus, amicus. All right. You got most of it. You only one you skipped was the ablative and the nominative plural. So amicus, amici, amico, amicum, amico, amici, amicorum, amicis, amicos, amicis. And 
if we were going to do the meaning of that, I think I said, do the, what did I say in the directions? I said, do the meaning of the first one. So if you're going to do the meaning, you'd say a friend. What would the genitive mean? Uh, of a friend. Of a friend or friends, apostrophe S. And the dative, amico. Two or four, a friend. Or four, yeah, I was going to say. And then amicum. I always like to put a I love a friend. I love my friend. I see my friend. And then amico, by means of a friend. Okay. And then the plural is the same thing, except it's plural. Friends of friends, two or four friends. I love friends by means of friends. All right. Very good. And now we have we're. Now we're is second declension masculine, but it follows a little different pattern. Uh, I mean, it, it's the same exact thing except for the nominative. So it's we're, then what? We're means man, by the way. I don't know if I told you that or not. Maybe you already knew. It means man or husband or hero. Weary. Yep. Weary, then. Weero. Weero. Weeroom. Weeroom. Weero. Weero. Then the plural. Uh, weary. Weary. Weerorum. Weerorum. Weeris. Yep. Weeros. Weeros. Weeris. Weeris. Right. Be careful when you're doing these declensions too, and you guys are doing fine with it. Don't, uh, some people have the tendency to accent the last syllable, like say, weeri, weerorum. No, it's weeri, weerorum, weeris, weeros, weeris. You never accent the last syllable of a Latin word except the word adhuc. Uh, which means still. Uh, good. All right. Very good. Then we had a nice easy one here. Aqua. What declension is aqua? First. First. Okay. So how do we do aqua? Okay. Um, aqua. Aqua. Oh. So far, so good. Oh. Uh. Aqua, aqua, aquae, aquam, aqua. That's it. Aquae. And then, well, aquarum. You got it. Aquis, aquas, aquis. Right. Aquis, aquas, aquis. Good. Okay. And of course, the meaning water of water, two or four water, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. All right. Opidum. There's a neuter now. We have never done these before until last week. So these are maybe a little more tricky. And the thing about these is the nominative and accusative of neuter nouns are always the same. And so that can be a little tricky when you're reading to know whether it's a subject or the object. You have to look at other words around it. That's what I love about Latin. It's something you got to work at. It's not something you can just sit back and say, I got it, man. You got to work at it. Okay. Um, so Gary, uh, I have another issue and I don't know if you know what to do about this, but okay. you know, when it has the oos, um, my stupid Brownlow touch plus just puts a U and I guess it's going into. Um, oh, it, it thinks it's the word it us. us. It thinks yeah. it's yeah. us. What you'd and have to do. It would be okay if it is, is since I know some Latin, but if I right. were a new student, this would confuse the. You'd head. have to turn on grade one Braille is all, which I think on the Braille note touch you do by uh, enter G. Doesn't that do it? Isn't it enter G changes the grade? I don't know. I'm having an awful time with this device. Well, listen, we had a Braille note touch too, and and they're nice. They're all right. In some ways, they're better. 
in some way, you and I have to talk about that, but in some ways they're better than the Braille sense, but in some ways the Braille uh, sense is better. I mean, the, the, Braille, the um, Braille. The Braille sense is an issue too, because you used to be able to kind of write stuff and it would sort of leave it alone the way you had written it, even though it did translation, it would, it kind of limited, you know, how much it interfered with what you did. But that's no longer true. And in fact, the Braille table is really, I think, really messed up. So it's it's really hard to fix this stuff. They say that the Braille note touch is very good with foreign languages. And but I don't know. The Braille sense is also good. Um, well, well I usually just write it in English, but you can do it in French. The French dictionary is quite good. And the Spanish, I guess, is I don't don't know enough Spanish, but course none of them have a latin dictionary i wish they did i wish they oh, did. I did. I've, been really... I've been bothering them about that for ages really oh mm-hmm. my goodness i wish i'd known that i would i well i'll add my bother to it because uh, i would love for them to put a latin di- I, I could get rid of a lot of volumes of braille if they did that but i'm having um you know and and the latin i'm familiar with and i'm thinking to myself somebody new would just see the oh it's you and not us and you know, that's the truth. And these electronic books, like if you if you were a kid in school today and you were trying to take Latin, well, we had enough trouble with it when we had books from the American Printing House for the Blind. And they were, you know, normal books. It was hard enough to learn Latin with them, with these electronic books and things like that happen. And you as a new student wouldn't understand that. It would be much harder. It would add a whole other challenge to it. And I'm sure that would be true in French and in Spanish. These electronic books are nice because you they should have a, they should have a character stabilization mode that if you type something a certain way, it should leave it and not change it. And and mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they used to do on the Braille light that it worked better. I have no idea. But well, then what would happen if you typed a Latin assignment on here and then printed it? How would that turn out? Well, what is how like? do you print with the touch plus? I can't find anything that you, um, yeah, you do, you can, but 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 I think what you've got to do, there's a mode, you there's a in the sense you don't have this, but in the touch, you have some kind of a thing you have to preview it after you type it, you have to preview it to make sure how it's going to come out, and then you print it. And I've never understood that. You need that tutorial that Kim Loft has put out, which is. Oh, I have it, but it's it's still overwhelming. Well, it's it is it is it's an awful lot, and they don't make it any. Especially for you when you have so much else to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you don't have anything else to do. But I want to say this: these songs and the way you're teaching me um, this is so different than the way I learned, and it's a it's a breath of fresh air because. You know, it was a whole different approach. And you're just giving Mm. me all kinds of ideas. You're reinforcing things that are amazing. And I just want to compliment you. You are doing such a good job. My students didn't think it was too fresh when I was teaching it to them, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I I try to make it as much fun and as interesting because I love it. And I try to show that and I try to get that across, you know, to people. Uh, But it 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 is a subject you can't just. You got to work at it. You got to give it some time. You know what I mean? And if you don't, you just can't get it. And uh, that's why I was really interested when we started this course and having the recordings be available to people, because if they're not, you can't do it. You just cannot do it, really. Uh, not 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 to do it right anyway. Um, 
Okay. Opidum is going to be opidum. Opidum, by the way, is a, my favorite Latin word of all time. It means town. I always like the sound of that word. Mm-hmm. Opidum, opidi, opidum, opidum, opidum. Okay. And the plural. Now the plural gets a little tricky. Opida. Yep. Uh, oh dear. Opidorum. Yep. Opidis. Yep. Opidos. No, no, no. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Neuter, yeah, yeah. Neuter nominative. I, I like that. I like that. I know, I know, I know it. I just didn't. You haven't had it for a long time. That's well, no, I like that one too. That's one of my favorites, and that yeah. one actually sticks with me usually. Yeah. So opidum, like opd, and Jaws lost its focus, and I thought I was answering you. Between the oh. Jaws and his touch, I'm going nuts today. Yeah, it's hard to keep it all straight for sure. Opido, opidum, opido. Um, yep. Opidar, Opidaro, or no. Opidorum, yeah, O-R-U-M. Or, and then Opidis, Opida, yep. Opidis. Opidis, you got it, you got it. Now, my, uh, exercise B, the, the main thing I wanted to do in exercise B was to show you how you could, even though some of these forms are exactly the same, for example, the nominative plural, the genitive singular, and the dative singular are all exactly the same. So how do you tell them apart when you're trying to read a sentence? Well, the answer is you look at other words around it and see how it's done, see what they're doing, and that's how it fits in a puzzle. And and if you do this long enough, you get to where you can do it much faster and you don't have to kill yourself thinking it over. Uh, and, And that's why when you read a Latin sentence, you really should always read the sentences aloud so you'll get the feeling for it. Even now, though, right now I'm reading an oration by Cicero just to have some fun, and I still have to stop and sometimes say, what What is that word? What case is that word in? So, But like, number one, we have a sentence here. It says, puelli in opido habitant. Puelli in opido habitant. Now, is puella in that sentence nominative plural, genitive singular, or dative singular? And how can you tell? Nominative plural? Yep. How can you tell? Verb form. Yes. Very good. The verb form is plural. So that, now that doesn't mean that, oh, that, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that puella would have to be nominative plural, but there's no other word. If there's a gen, if it was a genitive, there'd be another word for it to go with, and there's not. And if it were dative, there'd be a verb of giving or announcing or showing, and there's not. The verb really tips you off. That's the very good tip. So the sentence means the girls live in the town. Okay, see how we have to do this? All right, now number two, we have a sentence, amica donum puelli dot. Uh, excuse me, donut. Amicum, no, amica donum puelli donut. All right. What is puella in that sentence? Is it nominative plural, genitive singular, or dative singular? Well, let's rule out nominative plural. It's not that because the verb is singular, right? Do not is a singular verb. So it's not nominative plural. Now, it could be genitive singular, and it could be dative singular. How are we going to tell which? Look at your verb. What is your verb? What does do not mean? 
gives. Yep. You're giving something and likely you're giving something to someone. And therefore, puella is a dative. Dative, yeah. The friend gives a gift to the girl. The girl, yes. My braille display froze now. <laughs> now, 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 I will admit to you, this sentence is a little bit ambiguous. That's the most likely meaning. It could, though, really, it could mean the friend gives the girl's gift, like to someone we don't know who. That's not likely because it doesn't make as much sense. But I guess technically it could also mean that. Uh, not, not as likely, but it could. All right, number three. Now, what about puella in this sentence? It says, amica puellae in opido habitat. All right. Is habitat singular or plural? It's singular. That rules out nominative plural. Nominative so nominative plural. plurals down the drain. Now, we have a phrase, amica puellae. We have a phrase there. Yeah, the the um, friend of the girl. The friend of the girl or the girl's, or the girl's friend, friend lives in the town. Oh. There we go. So that goes. See, see, but see how you have to do it. And you get used to it after you do it long enough. All right, number four, puella. Now, puellis magister crustula dot. This sentence is a good one, Ninette. We can eat a Girl Scout cookie later on after we read this. <laughs> That's what she's doing, she said. Uh, we just got some Girl Scout cookies. Anyway. And the Magister means, you know that word? Teacher. The teacher gives cookies to the girls. So puellis is dative plural. And you can tell because of dot. The dot means gives again. So that's going to put you into the dative. So yeah, you have to do this. All right, number five. Now, cum puellis ad opidum wanimus. It's not nominative plural. Well, puellis is going to be either dative or ablative. So you have a choice. And you can tell it's ablative because it, the word cum. With the girls. Makes, yeah, girls. Uh, with yeah. the I girl. mean. So we come with the girls. Come with the girls. To the village. Town. To the or town. town. Yes. All right. Very good. Now we have puer. Okay. Casa pueri est parwa. Now is pueri, is that nominative plural or genitive singular? Um, genitive singular. singular because of est est, est is yes. a singular verb and you got a phrase casa pueri the house of the boy the is boy small the boy's house is small the boy's house is small there we go all right now we have puer again pueri in agris laborant okay. nominative, nominative plural. plural nominative plural so because your verb is plural so the boys are working in the fields all right, another one. We have puer again. Amicus pecuniam. Uh, I'm sorry, puero amicus pecuniam dot. Um, dative singular. Yep, because the friend gives money to the boy. All right, and now we have puer again. Pater uh, um, pater pueri agrum arat. Nine your sentence. Your sentence won't say that, but that's what it's supposed to say. No, it doesn't say that. I fixed, I fixed it. I There's fixed a pueri. It's, it's pueri, you said? Yeah. Pater pueri agram arat. It's not missing in there, so I fixed it. 
So it says the father of the boy is plowing the field. Yeah. Okay. And when I first mistranslated this, um, I mistranslated it at first as the father was plowing the field for the boy. And then I looked at it again. It'll be pu- if you did that, it would be puero. Yeah, now, another thing about this sentence, if I put pueri after the word agram, then it would mean the father plows the boy's field. If I put pueri after the word agram, then you would know. Yes. All right, number 10. Pater puero agnoskit. Uh, I'm sorry, um, ignoskit. Now, does that you, take does that take the dative or something? Yes, it does. Ignosco means to pardon. <laughs> so the father pardons the boy. And that's dative because of that. Okay, very good. You guys are getting good. Um, I think you get it. It's and, and as you do it enough, you get used to it. Of course, when you get longer sentences, then it gets a little more, you know, problematic. But like I said, that's what I really love about Latin. That's what a lot of people hate about it, but that's what I love about it because it, it, uh, it really makes you think. It's like to me, it's like doing math with words, if that makes sense. It's almost like doing math with words. Um, and I don't care much for math, but I do. <laughs> um, all right, third declension. Now we've done third declension before, but not all at once in a table like we have now. And the thing tricky about third declension is that unlike first declension, which always ends in A, and unlike second declension, which always ends in U.S. or R or U.M., third declension, the nominative can end in anything, anything. It can end in O-R. It can end in U.S. It can end in U.S. even. It can end in O. It can end in E-R. It can end in... I-O, it can end in A-S. The nominative can end, can end in anything. But when you make the genitive, and that's why it's important when you learn these words to always learn the genitive with them, the genitive will show you the stem, and you take that stem and use it for the rest of the declension. Okay, and remember the endings for, for a third declension, blank, is, I-S, E, I M E M A E. So blank does, is um, E A. Hmm? Does no men, is that the same thing? Yep, except that no men is neuter, and we haven't done that yet. But yes, it works the same way. You have blank is E, actually with no men, blank is E blank A, because the neuter nominative and accusative will be the same. Because okay, when I see this, that's the word that that's the word that I think of when no I'm looking. Yeah, we're going to do no men next week. As a matter of fact, well, whenever we get to the next set of notes, it won't be next week, probably. So blank is e m a, ace um ibis ace ibis, and I give you a lot of nouns here to practice uh, to see this. Homo meaning man. By the way, this word means man, not in the sense of man, hero, or husband, but in the sense of mankind. And that's where we get like homicide, uh, that kind of thing. Ho- um, so homo genitive is hominis. And once you know that, H-O-M-I-N-I-S, once you know that, the rest of the declension just falls right in. Homini, hominim, homine, hominase, hominum, 
hominibus, homines, hominibus. So if we want to sing our third declension song at the very end of the notes, I tell you the third declension, and we can do it like dashing through the snow if we want to. And that would be blank is e m a ace um ibis a sibis blank is e m a ace um ibis a sibis etc. Okay, you can do that. All right, Rex Regis, meaning king. By the way, if you have a dog and you ever had a dog named Rex, that's why they named dogs Rex. It means king. Um, so Rex, but then it's not Rexus, it's Regis. The whole stem changes and the rest of the declension, you're going to have R-E-G. Rex, Regis, Regi, Regem, Regge, Regis, Regum, Regibus, Regis, Regibus. So again, us, uh, again, blank is E-M-A, ace, um, ibus, ace, ibus. Um, now, moose. You've done moose before, meaning mouse, but we've never done it in all of its cases. So again, it ends in U.S. You might think it will be moose, me, mo, 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 or something like that. But no, it's moose, muris, muri, murem, mure, mores, morum, moribus, mores, moribus. Now, some third declension nouns have I-U-M in the genitive plural instead of just U-M, and they're called I-stem nouns. And you can tell these nouns because either the nominative and genitive will be almost the same or, or very close to the same, or the nominative will have one syllable. And when you make the genitive and drop the IS, you will have two consonants. So for example, Rex Regis is not I stem. It is one syllable, but when you take the IS off, you have only one consonant. But a word like pars, partis, take off the is and you have rt and so that means it's i stem so the words i give you is kiwis 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 kiwi kiwem kiway kiways kiwium kiwibus kiways kiwibus meaning citizen that word means where we get civil all those kind of words and then par pars partis parti partem parte partes partium partibus partes partibus so again the same uh, by the way, I have a new third declension song we can learn uh, this time. Oh. And that is singing to Frere Jacques. And what we do for this song is we go blank is E M A S um or E um ibis ace ibis. That's the third declension. Now you know it. Sing with me, sing with me. Or as I used to tell my students sometime to get them to study, I'd say, that's a third declension. You don't know it. Gonna fail, gonna fail. Then they, hopefully that will make them start. There's a better possibility. What's that? That's a third declension. You should pay attention. I like that. I like that. I wish I, I wish you had told me that when I was teaching. That's a third declension. You should pay attention. So do it. So do it. Anyway. Um, so, or you'll fail. Or, or you'll, you'll fail. fail. Yeah. Either, either way. Either way. So we go, is e, uh, blank is never the, the nominative blank. So we call it blank. And I, in, in, in the notes, I put a whole bunch of, uh, you know, hyphens or something to show you a blank. So blank is E-M-A-S-U-M or E-U-M, Ibis-A-S-Ibis. That's a third declension. Pay attention or you're going to fail, going to fail, etc. Okay. So, so over next week, you can practice declining some of these nouns that I give you here, miles militis, meaning soldier, where we get the military from, 
Orbs, Orbis meaning city. Uh, we get the word suburbs or urban, like urban renewal. Awis, awis meaning bird. You already know that word. Another word for woman, mulier, mulieris. Sounds like mule, doesn't it? But no, it means woman. And uh, no comments now about mules and women, please. Um, uh, anyway, mulier, mulieris meaning women. Mater, matris meaning mother. And uxor, uxoris meaning wife. And so you can practice those. And in letter B, we have some more uh, sentences um, showing words that look alike, but that are different. So uh, you can look at that and work on that for next week. And that'll give you plenty to do. Uh, let's see. What time is it? You got um, five past the hour. Oh, oh, good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Now, I want to talk about numbers a minute here. We talked about numbers uh, way back in lesson two, but we haven't done anything with them. And we only went up to 10. The reason I brought numbers in, because next week, we didn't do any Greek this week, you'll notice. Next time we do a new lesson, that is when we get off this lesson and go to the next lesson, I want to talk about Greek numbers. But before, because I want to relate them to the metric system. But before we can talk about Greek numbers, I thought we ought to review the Latin numbers, and that brought up Roman numerals and all kind of other things. So let's talk a minute about uh, these numbers. So unus, unus means one, unus, una, unum. And, and when you count, you say unus. Two is the duo, is the word for two, trace, three. Quatuor, two T's, four. Quinque, five. Sex, six. Septem, seven. Octo, eight. Noem, nine. Decem, ten. So, unus, duo, tres. Quatuor, quinque, sex. Septem, octo, noem, decem. And you remember we talked about how septem, octo, noem, decem look a lot like September, October, November, and December. But we said, why is it uh, September is not the seventh month in our calendar? Why is it that we use that word when we're talking about the ninth month? And we said it was because the Romans started the year in March originally. And that's why September for them would be the seventh month and so forth. That's why. Uh, and then 11, undekim. Duo decim, tre decim, quatuor decim, quin decim, sed decim, septen decim. By the way, not septem, but septen because it's easier to say. Septen decim, duo de wiginti, unde wiginti, wiginti. And that's why, Carla, that vin in French has a G in it. Yes, it that is. But you know what's puzzling is decem for 10, but all these um, composites with decim. Decim. That throws, decim. That and, and that's a good question. I suppose, I suppose it's, I think a lot of this is because it's easier to say. They think it's easier to say duodecim than duodecim. And I think it might be. Duodecim might be a little easier to say than trying to say duodecim. I, I don't know that for sure, but. Seems a little easier to me. So 
you can you can decide. Wigenti at Unis, or um, you can you can do it either way. Uh, Wigenti at Unis, or Unis at Wigenti, and again uh, Wigenti at Duo, Wigenti at Trace, etc. Um, Trigenta is thirty. Uh, um, quadraginta is 40. Quinquaginta is 50. Why do you have an N right before quadraginta? Is there something I'm missing there? Uh, let's see. I might have taken it out of mine. Oh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> when I did these notes originally, I had written quinquadraginta and I took the QUI out and didn't take the N out. So, yes, I'm sorry. It's not supposed to be there. Quinquaginta, sexaginta, 60, septuaginta, 70, octoginta, 80, nonaginta, 90, and kentum for 100. By the way, we get some good English words from these, like septuagenarian. If you know a septuagenarian, you know a person who is what? 70. 70. If you know a sextagenarian, he's 60, an octogenarian, he's 80. I guess a centigenarian would be a hundred, mm-hmm. et cetera. Nonagenarian would be ninety. What's the um, prize if you're almost a septu whatever? It is. <laughs> if you're almost a septuagenarian, yeah. Uh, I guess you're a sex <laughs> sextagenarian. Then I'm a septuagenarian. I'm afraid. So uh, anyway, kentum um, means a hundred, and then kentum at unus. Etc. All the way around, and uh, ducenti, trecenti, quadringenti, uh, quingenti, sescenti, septuen. How do you say that one? Septingenti, octingenti, nongenti, and mille. And I guarantee you, some Latin majors don't know those numbers very well. Uh, Wait a minute, this Roman though. You aren't talking about Roman numerals, so are you? Yeah. In a minute, I'm going to. Because I, I, I knew the XL, but I don't know there's four Xs. Uh, you can do it either way. Mostly yeah. XL. I never mostly, heard that. Mostly XL, but in some inscriptions, they sometimes do it the other way. And that's really? why. Now, let's talk about Roman numerals a minute. Before you do that, it's 4.40 p.m. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, you guys all had Roman numerals at some point in your schooling. I think I had it in fifth grade mainly with Miss Ball. We had uh, Roman numerals, um, and I learned them pretty well. We had them again in sixth grade. I remember learning them. But it's funny. When you get out of school and you start fooling around with them, you, people for, you'd be surprised how many people don't know Roman numerals. Like they'll say, V-I-I-I, you know, they, they can't remember, or X-I or I-X or something. And especially it gets complicated when you get into, uh, you know, larger numbers. And by the way, Roman numerals are horrible to read and to deal with. And that, and actually, it was, it was the, it was the invention Heavenly days, Tom. I'm getting a phone call from Denton. <laughs> I am four seven nine three something. That's incredible. 
It wasn't you this time. No, it wasn't me. That's funny. That's really funny. Oh, it's your it was yours. I was That's thinking right. it was mine. Oh. But see, I was thinking it must be his because it was I was thinking, was why, how am I getting a phone call? I was wondering why my phone didn't ring and why all I heard was a caller ID. So And you just uh, have a very saying, I think I think it's Musi. Yes, Musi. I'm just trying to remember in my head. Is that right? L is 50. L is 50. Yes. And that's that's interesting because Y is L 50. And I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Some of these make sense. Like, for example, most of them make sense. Um, The V, you know, the, 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 the I, if you think that the Romans used their fingers to count on, and if you know that an I looks a lot like a finger, like a like like your finger pointed you know straight out mm-hmm. that makes sense so if they every time they counted on a finger and by the way the latin word for finger is digitus it's where we get the word digit mm-hmm. so that makes even more sense you know i'm using a digit I'm using a finger okay so one two three four when you make your five your thumb and your finger is a v shape and that's where they get the v then if you take your two hands and put them together put your two thumbs and your two first fingers together it kind of looks like an x and that's where they get the x for the 10 um i do not know where they get the uh l for 50 um i do know where they get the c for 100 that's kentum but i don't know where they get d for 500 i don't know why that became d and of course m is a thousand that one does make sense now, I give you some help with Roman numerals if you don't know them very well. I give you some help uh, with them. Number one, if you have a numeral and it's followed by a smaller numeral, that is addition. So like VI means five plus one equals six. All right, now a number followed by a larger number is subtraction. So I followed by a V, that means five minus one equals four. And if you have a whole bunch of Roman numerals and you have a small number between two larger numbers, the smaller number goes with the second large number. So MCM is 1900, for example. It's 1000 plus 1000 minus 100 equals 1900 okay and so i give you a little exercise a couple little exercises here with roman numerals uh with roman numerals that you can work on for next week if you want to you can try to do those uh exercises with roman numerals one thing i did want to tell you about is the romans of course the big problem with roman numerals there's no zero and it was the arabs who invented the zero, and that really helped in doing communicate, uh, doing uh, calculations. Uh, and that's the big thing that Roman numerals didn't have was the zero. And it's amazing that the Greeks, like uh, you know Euclid and and uh, uh, what's that guy's name that figured out the circumference of the Earth almost perfectly, um, Era, what was his name? <laughs> Heraclitus was it? Heraclitus. Anyway, it's amazing they could do that without the zero. Did they uh, um, did they have abacuses then? 
Well, I was going to talk. I was going to say yes. The Romans did have abacuses. Um, they would actually had a system where you would, you know, like like you all know the ones we used to work with uh, in school. Many of you use the Cramner abacus. Um, the abacuses they had were a lot like that, except they were much quicker. They didn't have those felt beads, and so they're much quicker to use. The Chinese used them a great deal, also. But the Romans used them. And next week, when we do our poem about counting kisses, we're going to talk about how counting those kisses is really picturing counting them on an abacus. And we'll talk about that probably next week. Next week, we'll get romantic in here. We're going to talk about counting kisses uh, and about the guy that wrote them and about the girl he wrote it to. And that'll get us into a whole interesting uh, little story about this love affair that they had. Uh, but that's next week. That's next week. All right. So any questions on numbers or Roman numerals? Something that my students always ask me. Okay. So zero wasn't invented. So um, I always think it's like of nihil or nullus. How do, you know, to represent it in Latin? Yeah. Nullus. Nullus you could use. Uh, or you could use... Um, Nulum, uh, I mean, nihil, nihil or nulus would be the, what they would use. Right. But one use. of my students asked me a question and I forgot to ask you and it's, the class is over now, but I'll, I'm going to write it down. Anyhow, if you had to use, and it wasn't invented, a Roman numeral to represent zero, what would it be? And I said, I don't think there is such a thing. You can't. They, I mean, there wasn't, there isn't any. And that's the trouble. So like, so, you know, well, you, you can't, you can't do the, you can't, you can't calculate with Roman numerals because you can't put things in a column and add them up like you could if you had a zero. And that's the trouble. And that's why they use the abacus. They also had a very elaborate system of finger counting. You know, like they would count the left hands were the units and the right hands were the tens and that kind of thing. So they also had a very elaborate system of counting on their fingers. Um. And they certainly did plenty of business and, you know, commerce and that kind of thing, but uh, not, not as good. And, and they certainly designed, you know, machines and uh, military machines and the arch and the dome. And they were very good in architecture and all that kind of stuff, but they did not have the zero. And uh, no, there was no Roman numeral for zero. And by the way, I, like I said, in Greek, there wasn't a, in Greek, they used the letters for the numbers. Uh, but uh, there was no, no zero. Now, um, the Trojan War, we have left that alone. I want to try to get that wrapped up today a little bit. We don't have too much time, but um, we were working on this exercise, and I reproduce it here at the bottom. We talked about uh, the women. We talked last week about number two or the week before last about the women. Which of these women would be on what side? And we, we did go over that. Uh, number three, we talked about Zeus. We need to talk about that. Zeus tried to remain neutral, uh, or so he said. However, on which side would you place him? Anybody remember? Would you say Zeus was more on the Greek side or the Trojan side? Well, no. I would say he's more on the Trojan because he's trying to help 
Thetis, and Thetis oh, yeah. asks him to help the Trojans. Yeah. And so he does, and that makes Juno mad, and they get in a big fight over it, and he threatens to throw her out of heaven. Um, by the way, it's very interesting in the Iliad, the best couple is Hector and Andromache. The gods don't get along at all well uh, as a couple. Um, she has to seduce him to get her way at all, and even then he, she makes him mad. Uh, so the, the gods don't get along at all well, and yet you know Andromache and Hector – who ends up getting killed is really the perfect couple. Uh, but I would say Zeus is more on the Trojan side. Also, he was, there was a, a character named Sarpedon that was helping the Trojans and Zeus kind of liked him too. So I would say he leaned more toward the Trojan side. Now of the mortal characters, two are known by two names. Do you know who that is? There are two characters that have two names. I'll give you a hint. One is Lover Boy. Who would I call Lover Boy? Paris. Yep, Paris. Okay, Paris had another name. Do you remember anybody remember what it was? It's not as well known, but it is used. The name Alexander, Alexander, he's sometimes called. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, one more character that has two names. Anybody remember who it is? Odysseus, Ulysses. Well, actually, you know what? There are three characters. Yes, Odysseus and Ulysses. Odysseus is the Greek name. Ulysses is the Roman name. You're right. There's one other character, too. Um. He's a very... I'll give you a hint. He's redheaded, and he's also very ruthless. You don't like him much, probably. Mm -hmm. Redheaded and ruthless. Pyrrhus. Pyrrhus. Remember, he's Achilles' son that had to come to Troy before Troy could fall. Oh. He's the guy that murders Priam at the altar and so forth. Oh. His, his uh, name is Pyrrhus, which means redhead. But he's also sometimes called Neoptolemus, which means renewed uh, war. Okay. Sometimes he's called Pyrrhus. Sometimes he's called Neoptolemus. Okay. And what are the alternative names for each of the gods or goddesses, goddesses listed? Now, let's see what they are. We had that way back uh, at the beginning of the course. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see who is... Um, let me find where these start. Ah, I'm not going to find them. Uh, no, I don't have them. Okay. I don't think we have what? them in these notes, but they are uh, the goddesses. Okay. Juno, for example, is one. What's her okay. other name? Hera. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know another one would be Aphrodite. What's her other name? Venus. Venus. Okay. Zeus. What's his other name? Jupiter. Jupiter. Jupiter, Apollo. Phoebus. Okay, Phoebus. Yes, Phoebus is a Latin word for sun. He sometimes he's called Phoebus Apollo or just Apollo. He's pretty much the same uh, name. And then uh, Diana or uh, uh, Artemis is Diana. Diana. <laughs> what about Poseidon? Neptune. Yeah, that was yep. Neptune. And I think that. I'm not good at these. I think that covers them. 
what are the alternative names for each of the, oh, I already did that. Uh, I think that covers that. Now, we're moving away from the truth. Say that again, uh, Beth. I said Mercury, his other name is Hermes, right? Hermes, okay, right. And is there any other? Cupid. Cupid. Cupid, okay. Eros, right. Cupid or Eros. Very good, very good. Um, We're going to start now talking about homecomings. The Trojan War is over. The Trojans have been beaten. Troy has been burned down to the ground. And the Greeks are going to start going toward home. But the homecomings are not going to be easy. It's not going to be a piece of cake. They're not just going to go home. They're going to take time to get home. And in some cases, they're going to take 10 years to get home. So in the case of Ulysses, who is the first homecoming we talk about, he went away as a young man. He fought in Troy for 10 years. It's going to take him 10 more years to get home. And when he gets home, he's going to find his house in a mess uh, and real problems. Um, One guy that had no problem getting home was Menelaus, except that he had Helen on his ship. And that was trouble enough, I guess. But uh, he forgave her and took her back before they'd even pulled anchor up, probably. Um, She sweet talked him into taking her back. And that was it. And they lived together after that as if the war had never happened. Uh, And all those people died. And so it's nice he was so forgiving anyway, or that she was so attractive that she just made him, you know, you couldn't help but forgive her. Um, But one, uh, they had a very easy homecoming because on their ship was a guy named Hellenus. And Hellenus was a prophet. And he told them, don't go home by sea. Instead, go home overland. They did that, and they got home quite easily. And because he had helped them, they free him from being a slave, and they give him a piece of land, and he actually starts a city and rules it. And when Aeneas comes later on as he's wandering around, he'll come to his city and see him there. So that's the reward he got for doing that. Um, Hellenus had been a Trojan who had gotten captured after the war, but he was a prophet, and so he told him, "Don't, don't go home by sea. The worst homecoming of all was Agamemnon, and we'll talk more about this one later, but Agamemnon, remember, goes home to a very bad situation because while he's gone, remember, he sacrificed his daughter right before he left. His wife never forgave him for that, and so while he's gone, she takes a lover, and when Agamemnon gets home, they kill him. They axe him to death in the bath. Uh, Of course, I don't. In some ways, I don't blame him because he brought another girl home with him. I mean, my Latin professor, Ninette, used to always say, Cassandra, meet my wife. Wife, meet Cassandra. You know, you can sort of see why she might have axed him to death. Uh, you just don't, don't do that. But anyway, that's what he did. But so he gets killed. And that's a story that kind of reverberates all the way through the Odyssey. It's kind of a counterpoint to all the, yeah, Ulysses, you're having trouble getting home, but look at what happened to Agamemnon. Yeah, three more minutes. Okay, we're going to stop right here, guys. Next week, we got a lot to do, and I'm not going to send any more notes out because we got plenty to do. Roman numerals, third declension, and we're going to count kisses next week. So thank you, Thomas. You did a masterful job. Well, thank you, sir. 
Are, are you doing host okay? My call after you're the your, host with the most. Yep. Are, you, are you doing okay after your fall? Yeah, my arm's still a little sore. I haven't been able to walk with my dog yet, uh, but uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting there. It's getting a little better every day. So maybe by tomorrow I can walk. Praying for you. Please, please, please do. Uh, we're counting kisses. Find me a single man that wants a blind date. Uh-oh. Well, after we count these kisses next week, you'll know how to count them in Latin, and that might even help you. You never know. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all then.